The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast with John Stolmus and Brandon Lee Gowler? Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 64. I'm John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. Coming up, we've got our first podcast of the 2019 season, Training Camp Edition. Today was the first day, as we record this on Thursday night, was the first day of training camp practices. And uh, our own Brandon Lee Gowton, BLG, was out at training camp at the Novacare Complex, uh, taking it all in, watching all the action. Of course, you have probably been following him all day on Twitter as it is at Brandon Galton. But in case you haven't, go follow him on Twitter at Brandon Galton. BLG, day one of training camp is in the books. We looking like a Super Bowl team, my friend? I don't think so, John. I think the season is over. I think it's safe oh, to no. say, you know, it's oh, just no. it's all over day one. I mean, um, tough. yeah, tough. it is tough. Pack um, it in. Uh, I mean, it was just a light practice, so clearly they weren't taking things seriously. It was only a 10-10-10. They're coasting. Oh. It's just it's a terrible start to training mm. camp. For the, no, I'm kidding. Of course, <laughs> it's a great time. The Eagles are back. Uh, they did, it was a light day, of course, to be serious. But uh, that's usually kind of how it always is. They kind of just get started with that kind of lighter practice because you know the players only reported on Wednesday, so they're kind of just ramping it up here. Yeah, I'm writing a piece for BleedingGreenNation.com that'll be on the site here in the next uh, day or so, um, talking about the hype that this team has heading into training camp. I can't remember another Eagles team that had this kind of hype. I think we might have touched on it a little bit in the past, maybe that 2005 team with Terrell Owens in his second season. But I mean, that whole training camp, that offseason was also the time when Terrell Owens was fighting with the team over his contract situation and doing the sit-ups in the driveway and all that stuff. And I kind of felt like that took a lot of the energy out of that uh, out of that season, and it showed with their play on the field. And maybe the Dream Team preseason, you know, leading up to that 2011 season when the Eagles were so active with the, uh, the shortened offseason and the lockout and all that kind of stuff. This feels to me like the most hyped Eagles team I can ever remember heading into training camp. What do you think? Yeah, that was a big topic of conversation at the Novacare Complex on Thursday. A lot of different players, coaches, Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson, like a lot of people were being asked about that kind of like topic. Someone even used the phrase like Super Bowl or bust with Doug Peterson, Oh no! Um, which is like, okay, we're just throwing that, that out there. That's definitely like a theme for this team. I think I saw Deshaun Jackson even acknowledge the whole dream team thing. You know, he said like, hey, you know, I was here when that happened. 
Um, yeah, that's so right. That's right. I think Derek Barnett had a, a good answer about that. Jeff McLean tweeted out a quote from him, and it was just kind of like talking about himself a little bit more individually, but also on the team as a whole. It's like, you know, is there extra pressure? And he's like, not really. You know, I just got to go out there. I just have to focus on what I have to do. And I, I think, you know, that's such a an athlete speak thing to say, like, oh, I just got to get better every day. <laughs> like, that's all yeah. cliche. But at the same time, if it's true in the sense of like that this team can kind of just focus on having fun, like they did in 2017, by the way, and they were great, they're very good, and they, you know, it wasn't all super serious, like they, they were having a lot of fun. So that's what this team kind of needs to get back to. They just need to have fun. They need to have their personality. Like that's when they've they've been their best. This team, yeah. like when they're playing with personality, when they're having fun, when they're playing loose. Like yeah. that. That was why I was so confident they were going to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I was like, this team is so loose right now. Like there's no pressure that's going to get to them because they're just they're having fun out there. So um, that's what you're kind of hoping to see this year. Now it is a different situation. You know, like 2017, the expectations really weren't there because you're coming off of two seven and nine seasons at that point you know they'd gone seven and nine in 2015 then again in 2016 and now there you know there was some ramping up of expectations because it was Carson Wentz in his second year they had gotten you know Alshon Jeffrey and Garrett Blunt like they had made some offseason additions so expectations were definitely higher than they were in 2016 but you know it's it's different when you you actually go out and you show you can win the Super Bowl <laughs> and then yeah. like cuz then that that possibility is there in everyone's head the fact that it's already happened it's like well they can do it again why not like they still have a lot of yeah. pieces here so i definitely think uh that's kind of like the theme of this year whereas last year was like all about you know Super Bowl hangover and repeat and all of that like the the big question for everyone was like how are you handling the Super Bowl hangover how are you the like, Super Bowl hangover that yeah. was the whole thing it was even the mantra of uh, Doug Peterson and the team it was like embrace the target was their they had it on t-shirts early last year and um this year Doug Peterson had kind of just you know talked about how we we just need to focus on one day at a time and i think that's that's what this team has to do in the sense of like they know those expectations are out there. Like they can hear it. You know, they're they're humans. Like they're gonna hear stuff when like all these articles and people and experts are saying like this team has Super Bowl aspirations. They need to block it all out and kind of just be like, we need to just focus on like getting better and on the in like what we need to do in the short term and not get lost in the in the hype that like a 2011 Eagles team kind of ultimately did with that dream team thing. So uh, that's the hope, I guess, is that they yeah. can kind of just like focus on the now and kind of just block out all that outside noise. You know, the differences between this team and that 2011 team, too, is I think most of the moves that the Eagles made this offseason were either to bring guys back who were a part of that 2017 team, or they brought in complementary pieces. You know, they didn't go out and sign Namdi Asamoah and try and plug him in as a, as a big-time, big-money free agent. You know, they, they went out and traded for, D, for Deshaun Jackson. But again, Deshaun Jackson was somebody who had been with this team previously. And so is not a stranger to the organization. The Eagles know what they're getting there. And even though they made a lot of changes this offseason and they added a lot of people, they made a lot of moves, it felt like it was mostly for depth rather than we're changing the face of our team and bringing in all these different, we're bringing in a lot of mercenaries here. It's It doesn't feel that way with this team. This team, it feels like a lot of the additions that were made, they've got a lot of talent everywhere, but it's depth so that if they encounter injury problems like they did last year, they're more capable of handling it. This Eagles team reminds me, and I'm going to use a baseball analogy, reminds me of the Los Angeles Dodgers, who they go about just loading their entire team with depth. They have like two or three 
players at every position that you could, if somebody goes out and you need to sub somebody else in, you've got a, a major league baseball caliber player in there who can do damage. And it feels like that's kind of what the what the Eagles have assembled, especially in the with the linebackers and the secondary, and I think with at the wide receiver position. Well, what remains to be seen what the running backs are going to give us. But the, the Dodgers is the comparison I'm making to this Eagles team, and the Dodgers have gone to two straight World Series and have the best record in baseball right now. So that would certainly be nice if the Eagles could could follow that pattern, BLG. For sure. Let's get into some of the camp stuff, Joe. Yeah, man, let's do it. Your observations from day one. And let's talk about the injuries real quick. You know, the Eagles uh, did make a little bit of news putting Jalen Mills on the active pup list, uh, which means he can come off the pup anytime, but he's now eligible to be put on it to start the season uh, if need be. Ronald Darby and Brandon Brooks are not on the pup list. Um, and so now they, they will not be able to be put on the pup list to start the season uh pretty amazing seeing brandon brooks out there with his helmet and uh, working on the side just six months after tearing his achilles in the nfc divisional playoff game what do you make of the uh, the eagles injury situation so far blg specifically mills on the pup list darby and brooks not being on it yeah so i'm not surprised that jalen mills is on the 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 pup list just because that's something like we've been talking about the whole offseason and i've I've, when we were doing the 53-man roster thing a week ago john i had said like I'm kind of cheating, and I'm going to put him on there. You and you but, called it, yeah. And and uh, to be fair, like he could come off of it, so I don't know if he's going to be in the regular season one yet, still. But like, I don't think it's impossible, and clearly it's not. Like, if the Eagles had any inkling, like the fact that Jalen Mills is on the active slash pup list shows that there is some percentage that they think that there's a chance he could miss the first six weeks of the season and put him on the regular season pup list. So. A possibility exists now. On the other hand, Brandon Brooks not making it was like kind of a shock to me. Like I was yeah. like a really good shock in the sense of like that's great for him. But that pretty much tells you like the Eagles are expecting him to play early in the season, if not week one, like you know week two or week three. I think at the latest, I would say um, week four at the very very latest. Because you know if there was if they felt like there was a pretty good chance, you know he's going to miss like at least five games. You put him on the active pup list from the start of camp because like why not? He's barely missing any, like, he can't practice at all, but, like, okay, he's not really missing, like, it's not like Brandon Brooks needs to, like, practice a ton in July, late July. So, if they didn't feel good about him, they would have put him on the list that Jalen Mills is on. Um, and the fact that they didn't, I think, bodes well for his, Brandon Brooks' chances of playing early on the season. And the same thing for Ronald Darby, the fact that Ian Rappaport was wrong again for the second year in a row. He was wrong about <laughs> Wentz last year, potentially being on it, and this year it was Darby, which is a whole thing. Like, the fact that those guys aren't at, like, I'm not shocked about Darby because we saw him in uh, the spring practices. He was, like, warming up with the team. He was doing some little bit of light work with the position groups. So you could, like, see that he's progressing well. But when you think about it, like, he had the ACL in, like, mid to late November last year. Yeah. Um, And then again, Brooks wasn't just in January, like mid-January. Yeah, the divisional round of the playoffs. That's crazy. Yeah, so it, it is crazy. Um, It's good in the sense of, like, good for those guys, and hopefully they're really attacking their rehab and, and making good progress. And now, to be clear, uh, these guys still aren't doing full team drills at all. You know, they were just kind of warming up today and then doing some conditioning on the side field. So they still have, you know, some distance to go before they're really back into the swing of things. But the fact that they're not on the, the pup list at all is definitely an encouraging sign. And same thing goes for, like, a number of other guys like Corey Clement and Rodney McLeod. You know, all these guys mm-hmm. who are missing spring drills. Mac Hollins, like, all those guys, you know, who are missing a lot of time in the spring. The fact that they're, you know, Jalen Mills is the only guy on the pup list is, like, encouraging in the sense of, you know, you look back to last year and the Eagles just had, like, so many injuries that 
you didn't even know when the guys were going to be back. Like, we didn't know when Brandon Graham was going to be back for sure because he had began training camp on the pup list. And also on Jeffrey, like, there was talk, like, okay, is he going to be back, like, week two or week three or what? Or, like, what's going on with him? And then, um, you know, Carson Wentz was a huge mystery. And, like, so you just had so much uncertainty last year with the injury situation. You still have a lot of guys who are, like, on the mend this year and aren't fully practicing, especially defensively. And that's not nothing. Like, that's kind of a concern, I think. But I, I just think they're in a better situation than they were last year. And it feels like there's no one out there who's doing nothing. You know what I mean? Like, they're just, mm-hmm. like, they, they're just totally watching from the sideline. Like, even Jalen Mills, who was on the pup list, he was doing some conditioning stuff today on the side. So, like, okay. everyone is at least doing some kind of activity, which makes me feel good. Yeah, and the main thing about training camp is is for nobody to get hurt. I mean, you want to see some of the younger players, especially maybe a guy like Miles Sanders, progress throughout camp. Some of the rookies, you know, see what Andre Dillard can do. But obviously with with guys like uh, McLeod and, and Brooks, especially in Darby, just don't aggravate the injury. And so I, I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, I know the, the, the medical staff has taken their lumps here over the last couple of years, but my, you know, any, any concerns that they, that Brooks is pushing himself a little too hard by, you know, it, they, they can, you know, hold him out the first week or two if, you know, that he doesn't look ready to go. But I, I just want them to make sure Brandon Brooks is a hugely important part of that offensive line that they're not pushing him uh, that he, and he's not pushing himself too fast and, and too hard just to start off here. But um, we'll, we'll learn a little bit more as training camp moves along. So uh, you wrote about your observations on BleedingGreenNation.com so people can go and read those uh, anytime they like. But um, one of the, the first thing you mentioned is obviously the most important person on the roster, BLG, and that's Carson Wentz. And it's Carson Wentz gushing time, my friend. Um, what did you see from Wentz out on the practice field in this first day? It was, wasn't anything like where, you know, it was just a bunch of amazing plays that he stacked. Um, again, it's a lighter practice, so you're just really not going to get that. Uh, to me, one of the most impressive things about Carson Wentz today was just his consistency. There weren't many incompletions. Like, he was completing passes all over the field, uh, high completion percentage at the end of the day for him, uh, delivering accurate strikes, too, like just like balls on the money. Um, the offense is flowing. It's not like disjointed or anything. Um, so that was good to see. Like he was getting in a rhythm. Like his highlight throw, if you will, was uh, a pass to Nelson Aguilar down the left side of the field, like 25 yards down or so. There's, I think, a couple defenders in the area. It's hard to see. There's some players standing in front of me. Uh, and it was like all the way down the end of the field. So, you know, I, I can't get a perfect view of everything, even though I have the height advantage, obviously. I was going to say. <laughs> um, but still, it's like some things you just can't see everything. And there's a bunch of guys in the way. So, but the point being, like, it was a good pass. And I just think overall, Carson looked pretty good. Um, you know, again, 10, 10, 10 day. So it's not like the biggest thing in the world. Uh, you, you can't get a ton out of it. Um, but overall, I just felt good. I felt good from what I saw from him, kind of just carrying over from the spring. He's healthy. He's not limited at all. Just once again, and I can't remember if I already made this observation. I might have. So apologies if I did. But just his demeanor after practice and in the press conference setting, like it's so much more calm and poised than he was last year in the sense of like he's giving thoughtful answers. Like he's looking like just the way it, it wasn't the same last year in the sense of like I could tell he was defensive. He was frustrated. He was he just hated the injury questions. And I get yeah. it. You know, I would too. Um, especially because they're, they're basically just the same questions every day. Now, the media has to ask them. It's their job. I'm not blaming the media for doing that. But, like, I also get why he's frustrated. And you can just see how that's gone. Like, like he's totally, he's not frustrated. Uh, I don't think he's worrying about, you know, Nick Foles or anything. Like, it's just all the focus is just, like, on him playing football. He's healthy. 
he just seemed so much more relaxed and at peace than I feel like he was at this time last year. And does that mean everything? I don't know. Maybe it means nothing, but I just think it seems like a good sign. And overall, I just felt, you know, encouraging day one practice for Carson Wentz, the most important player on the team. I think it does matter, BLG. I think it matters a lot. We talked about it a lot last year, how the mental grind of trying to come back from the injury, looking over his shoulder at Nick Foles, knowing he won the Super Bowl, and that really he led the team for that whole season until the very end and was probably going to win MVP that season. And to then have that kind of taken away and uh, come into the season knowing that Nick is still there and answering all those questions, knowing that you're going to miss the first few weeks, you're rushing to get back. You know, maybe he came back too soon, and that's what caused a... Uh, the back injury, we don't know. You know, in football, especially emotion plays such a huge part of the game. Having a more relaxed and confident Carson Wentz focused on getting better and playing football instead of trying to get healthy, I think is going to make a huge difference. And and from everything I was uh, reading, and you could you could tell me this better than anybody else, um, seemed like he was uh, a little bit slimmer, uh, a little bit more uh, slimmed down. And I, I think he credited that to just kind of taking care of himself a little bit more in the offseason, eating, exercising kind of stuff. Did you notice... Uh, a noticeably slimmer uh, Carson Wentz? I really didn't like honestly look at him and think that myself, but that's definitely something that other reporters had seen and, and even asked him about, you know, yeah. And as you said, he kind of attributed that to like a healthier lifestyle. He had talked earlier this off season about how he changed his diet. I don't know how much of a difference that makes for him. Maybe it makes him a little bit more mobile than he was last year. I think the bigger thing, obviously, is not having a brace on anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. another thing to note, by the way. Like, no brace, no sleeve. Like, he's just totally normal, like, regular 2017 looking like Carson Wentz. All around encouraging. Doug Peterson also said they were going to kind of monitor his pitch count here during the spring. Does that just mean limiting the number of throws he's going to make to just try and uh, uh, take, uh, take some of the mileage off his arm as the summer goes along? Yeah, I think some people out there, like, might have been a little bit too much concerned about that. Um, didn't see a ton of it, but just saw a couple of people like, oh, what's yeah. this all about? Like, he's limited. It's not limited. Like, when you watch <laughs> practice, like, you're never looking at it like, oh, they're cutting back on Carson. No, I just, I think it's just like a talking point. I think it's, uh, I'm sure they do it in the sense of, like, they monitor how much, how many times these guys throw. Because I'm sure there's a number that, like, they don't want them to get to. Because it's just like, I would imagine in baseball, John, yeah, where, like, yeah, you yep. just, like, you don't want to work a guy's arm too much. So maybe you have to back off of him at some point. Maybe you do, like, a little less passing reps on a certain day and maybe kind of work in some more runs just to, to give uh, Carson Wentz's arm a break. And, you know, Doug said they're doing that for all the quarterbacks. So I don't really make too much of that. Uh, one of the guys we did not see at all during the spring is rookie running back Miles Sanders. And, and BLG, I think he is such an important player on, in this offense. And I know there's a, he's got a lot of hype as a, as a second-round pick coming into the season. Um, I was concerned that he was not able to participate in the OTAs and the mini camps. Uh, those things are really helpful to rookies as they try to get familiar with the playbook and all that uh, as he was dealing with a, a hamstring issue. Um, but he's back. He's out on the field, and this was uh, everybody's first chance to get a look at Miles Sanders. What did you see today? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, brief uh, in the sense of, uh, you know, again, 10-10-10 practice, limited reps. But, I mean, the first rep that I really saw Miles Sanders stand out, I mean, he, he definitely did stand out in a good way. The Eagles, when they opened with their first team offense, they did um, – uh, Jordan Howard was in the backfield first, but then the next play, it was Miles Sanders. And Miles Sanders took a handoff up the middle, and he had a couple defenders in front of him unblocked, and he just juked them, and he ran out to daylight and just broke off for a big run. And that's just not something you're used to seeing with <laughs> Eagles running backs, especially over the past couple of years here. They're just you know not really in that mold. Uh, and don't have that kind of talent so it's just one play but I think from that you can see like okay you know this is why the Eagles 
Like, you can see the good in Miles Sanders. Like, this doesn't prove he's a flawless player, but it shows you, like, okay, this is what they liked about him. There's potential here. He has juice, as, you know, our friends at Bird with Friends would say. He definitely has some juice in those legs, especially more so than the other guys. So, uh, you know, he still has a lot of challenges to face in terms of the pads going on and pass protection, all that stuff we've talked about, ball security. But just to see that, it's kind of like, okay, that's that's encouraging. That's a good first impression. With Brandon Brooks uh, on the sidelines, I mean, not sidelined, but on the sidelines, on the you know, we're doing individual drills. Uh, what did the offensive line uh, look like with the first team? Where was uh, Halapula Vadivaitai uh, playing? Yeah, so he's still at right guard, um, and it's really just him. Like, the Eagles aren't trying to mix in Wisniewski or Matt Pryor or, like, anyone else. It's just it's Big V's job to lose, basically, um, of course, unless Brandon Brooks is just ready to come back. So, yeah, that's that's kind of how it's going still. I'll talk about some of the other lineup things, though, I want to note here. Um, yeah. Zach Brown and Kamu, Grujay Hill, yeah. and mm-hmm. Nate Gary were your three starting linebackers in base. Um, mm. I can't. I, I want to see. I want. I need to pay more attention as camp goes along here. Who when? Who it was when they went down to nickel? Uh, I didn't see that clearly. Again, they're kind of practicing further down. You just and it's day one. You can't grab everything. I'm making excuses right. here, but it's true. And, and like, there's no, just so much to get. Um, so I didn't see that. I'm gonna pay more attention to that. And by the way, Nigel Bradham was one of the players not taking part yes. in team drills today, which is why we saw Nate Gary as part of the uh, the, the the base uh, linebacking core. Or maybe, I don't know if or maybe yeah. why Zach Brown is there because Zach Brown again yeah. second yeah. team. Uh, in the spring. So we'll see. Uh, but more interestingly, I would say, is the cornerback situation. Like, that's the yes. one, you know, we're all trying to figure out. And again, John, like, I'm not trying to be Mr. Sidney Jones hater over here. <laughs> but, like, to me, he's the fifth corner on this team. Because yeah. you have Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills. They're going to start, I'm pretty sure, when healthy. Mm-hmm. Unless, like, you know, Jalen Mills begins the season on PUP. And, like, maybe Russell Douglas or whoever outplays him. Or Maddox, and like he he keeps the job, but at the very least, I think Jalen Mills, you know, is a top four corner. Like Jim Schwartz loves him. Uh, we know Ron Darby's going to be starting at some point. Like we know that for sure. Um, Avante Maddox, to me, it's too good to not have out on the field. And then Razul Douglas is like he's not a superstar corner, but I think he's he's proving himself at the very least as like solid starter. Like he's been looking good to me. So I I feel like you're not in a rush to take Razul Douglas off the field. And to me, again, it kind of just comes down to, like, are you really in a rush to put Sidney Jones on the field? I'm not seeing it right now still. He, he did have a breakup today. I thought it might have been a Sudfeld pass thrown a little bit late and behind someone. But I'll give Sidney the benefit of the doubt. I'll lean on the, I'll give him, you know, the credit. Right. I don't want to take away from him unfairly. So I'll, I'll just go over a little bit and say that was a good play by him. But still, like, and, and by the way, that was a nickel, I think, too. So he is getting some looks in nickel, although it's primarily Maddox. It's, it's Maddox and Douglas on the outside when there's only two corners and then most of the time it's Maddox in the nickel and then Sidney Jones on the outside when they go to the nickel package. Although again, Sidney did get a couple reps in the nickel too. So they're, they're experimenting with things. But to me, like when I look at the situation and things can change and Sidney Jones can play better over the course of the summer and really insert himself either in the starting lineup or wherever higher up in the depth chart. But for now, the way I see it, like he's kind of like the fifth corner. Yeah, it's hard not to see it that way with the way the other four guys um, have played and are, are you know the, the talent level and the 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 optimism the the Eagles and Jim Schwartz have in those guys. I would I would agree with you. I don't see how he cracks the top four at this point. So we talked about the linebackers. We talked about the cornerbacks. Let's talk about the backup quarterback a little bit. I mean, again, it was just a limited practice here today. But Nate Sudfeld is. One of the things I feel the least confident about, I'm probably not alone in that. I think Carson Wentz is going to be healthy this year, so I'm not necessarily worried. But I'm a little bit worried as of Nate Seltfeld as the backup BLG. 
I, I don't, I'm not asking you for any determination on whether he's good or not based on one day in practice, but just on what you saw today, what did you see in Nate Sudfeld? Yeah, it's kind of what I've been seeing for a while now from him, even going back to last year in practice. It's like you see up and down, like you see some good stuff. He had some couple really good throws to Mark and Mitchell, CFL wide receiver the Eagles picked up this offseason. Some impressive throws, like, like okay, you know, this is good. And at the same time, he also has, he throws an interception to Andrew Sandejo, where Sandejo read it all the way. There was never a doubt in Sandejo's mind that he was getting that ball because he read that play. And I guess, you know, Nate Sudfeld just you know wasn't aware of that at all. And Sandejo jumped the route and he picked off the ball. It was one of the first biggest plays of practice. So, you know, there's some good and there's some not so good. I think one of the biggest issues with Nate Sudfeld, you know, this is something that Ben Solak of the one and only Kiss and Solak show on BGN Radio. I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. he had mentioned this last year when he was at training camp with me and we were kind of watching together. And he, like, one of the things he kept talking about was just, like, like Sudfeld is just slow. Like, he's slow to see the field. Like, he needs to get it out faster. Like, just get it out faster. So that's kind of, like, what I'm looking for or hoping to see from Nate Sudfeld this summer. It's like, let it rip, man. Like, just get it out of there. Like, throw it. See it? Throw it. Boom. Like, let's just... Let's get it out of there. So kind of hoping to see more out of that from him to feel a little bit better about him. But overall, like the overall outlook for him, it doesn't change for me a lot. And I even kind of wrote that today in my um, 10 most intriguing players to watch in training camp this year. Like I put Sudfeld on there because I felt like I almost like had to. But in some ways, I don't think like I'm going to learn about a lot about him like that, that I didn't already know in practice. Like I, I think I've already seen it all. I kind of need to see it more in game action from him. So like the preseason games will do a little bit more for me than like what I'm going to see in practice. Yeah, in a little bit, we're going to talk about some of the players that you're intrigued and I'm intrigued, uh, excited to see while you're at training camp. But I think that can also include the preseason games. I think I'm I'm thinking more of like the whole offseason because sure. I'm with you. I think Nate Sudfeld is one of, the, one of the guys that I am most anxious to get more of a look at and to see a lot here in the, the fake games coming up here next month when they get started. Anything else from uh, from the first day of practice, BLG, that you uh, that you think would uh, illuminate for the listeners? No one got hurt, knock on wood. You know, like that's that's always a good first day. Um, that's like the biggest thing. You know, the Sanders thing was nice. We'll clearly be watching him. I guess one thing that I'll mention that um, was in that ten players to watch post or ten most intriguing players. I didn't include Dallas Goddard in there. And some people were, I think, were kind of like, why didn't you include one of the most obvious guys? <laughs> and it's kind of like what I said with Sudfeld. Like, I'm not going to learn a lot about Dallas Goddard that I don't already know, I feel like, personally. Like, I watched him all last offseason. I watched him earlier in spring camp this year where he looked even better, I thought, than he did last year. Like, the guy's a beast. Like, there's no question about it to me. Like, I don't have any doubts about his game at all. Like, so he, I don't think he can do anything to prove to me that, like, oh, this is something new he can do, or he's even better than I thought. Like, no, like, he's a beast. But it's just like, are the Eagles actually going to use him in yeah. regular season games? So, like, that's that's part of the thing. Like, even looking at two tight end sets in practice, like, that's great. But, like, if they're not doing it in the games, then, like, I don't care. Like, like right, that, right, doing right. it in the games is the only thing that matters with him. Like, that's the only thing I have yet to see with Dallas Goddard is how the coaching staff is actually going to use him this year. So that's kind of one last thought I had. Well, up next, let's talk a little bit more about some of the players that uh, you're most intrigued and excited to see that we haven't mentioned already. I'll give you a couple of mine. We'll do that next right here on BGN Radio. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate 
in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back on BGN Radio uh, training camp uh, episode number one of the season. It's episode 64, but this is our first episode of the 2019 training camp edition of the Philadelphia Eagles. And let's talk about some of the players we are most intrigued and excited to see while you're at training camp and in uh, some of the preseason games here at BLG. We've talked about Nate Sudfeld a little bit. You talked about Dallas Goddard a little bit just a minute ago. Uh, give me a couple other guys that you are really excited and intrigued to see while you're down there. Yeah, so, you know, again, lumping in the preseason, too, ultimately. You know, I, I put Carson Wentz on my list just because of <laughs> his importance yeah. to the team. For obvious reasons, sure, um, yeah. And it's not, like, about him proving so much, you know. Like, I already know. We already know what Carson can do. It's just, like, continue to stay healthy, continue to be accurate. Like, I, w- I really want to see specifically, you know, pay attention to how quick he's get- getting rid of the ball. Yes, If that's something yes. I think he can... I don't think Carson holds on to it too long all the time. Like, I think that gets a little exaggerated. You look at his time to throw last year, and for a while there, I don't think it ultimately bore out this way. But, like, for a while, he was better than Nick Foles. Like, he was getting out quicker than Nick Foles was, or about the same amount of time. I think Foles ultimately surpassed him because, like, he was just getting it out really quick by the end. So I I just want to see that. And I also want to see Carson's connection with Alshon because I think that's something that could afford to improve. And I mentioned it before, but I'll say it again. This is the first full training camp where both of them are practicing with each other. Because Alshon missed true. most of training camp in 2017 with his shoulder injury that he ultimately played through. And then Carson and Alshon both missed last year for the most part. So this is the first real training camp where they're going to get to work together. I want to see that. I want to see J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, you know, one of the standout players from the spring. If you hadn't seen John, I put up a very important post on Bleeding Green Nation this week <laughs> where I talked, I posted my conversation with J.J., which is apparently what his teammates and coaches call him. So I think I might just stick with that. J.J., simple. It works for me. Uh, and J.J. Reddick's gone. So, like, we need a new J.J. So J.J., yeah, that's right. our Sega Whiteside, is the new hmm. J.J. I definitely, I, that, that whole thing with the wide receivers interests me still in terms of, like, is Nelson Aguilar really going to be here making $9.4 million, even though you're going to use more two tight end sets? Like, I'm still thinking about that in my head. And even if he is around, again, I made that prediction that he's going to have more touchdowns than Nelson Aguilar this season. Because I think he could be this red zone weapon for this team. So I'm interested to see JJ. Uh, defensively, I guess I have to mention Josh Sweat. You know, that's the big one. Yep. Uh, the potential is there. Football outsiders had him on their list of like young breakout players. Like The mold is there. Like The idea of Josh Sweat is great. My basketball coach used to say, like, you know, you if you have potential, that's cool. But they also call it Poe. And if you got Poe, like, you're poor. You got nothing. Yeah. So, like, yeah. it can work both ways. Like, yeah, potential is nice in theory. But it, it could also mean, like, you're just not actually any good and you don't live up to that potential. So we need to see him step up. And I guess that's about it for the most part. I agree with you and with Josh Sweat. I, I had their, one of their other young edge rushers, Derek Barnett. I, I really am interested to see what he's 
what, what he's capable of because I think he was just starting to scratch the surface last year before he got hurt. You can see the flashes coming. I don't know if he's ever going to be like a 12 to 15 sack guy, but I think he can get you nine or 10 sacks uh, with if he's you know the, the starting defensive end on, on, on one side and you've got Brandon Graham and an improved push uh, up the middle. Derek Barnett, I'm very curious to see uh, a little bit, see a little bit more of him, see what kind of burst he has, see if uh, in in year three whether or not anything clicks even more for him. Um, I'm interested in seeing what Malik Jackson uh, does. I know we, you might not see a lot from him in in training camp and in, and in the games because he's a veteran player, but you know I think a lot of us are just kind of assuming that he's going to bounce back after a down season last year. I don't know that we can guarantee that, and I'm I'm curious to see whether he's going to go back to being that seven or eight sack guy that he was just a couple of years ago with the Jaguars, or whether. You know, he's the three and a half sack guy, the guy who lost his starting job last year at different times, whether or not being next to Fletcher Cox, whether or not he's able to help give that interior push and maybe help take some of the double team pressure off of Fletcher Cox. And of course, when teams are doubling Cox and and Jackson's got a one on one, maybe that maybe that helps free up Jackson, too. So I'm kind of curious to see how that works with those two guys and see whether or not they can bring out even more in each other might not see a lot from both of those guys in, in in preseason games because I'm sure the team wants to keep them healthy above all but um and the other guy I want to see is I want to see Miles Sanders I want to see I want to hear your reports on Miles Sanders I, I want to see him in games I want to see I, I think just having a running back that can give you that big play opportunity every now and then people and I've said this so many times on the podcast BLG people underestimate how important Jay Ajayi was when he got traded to the Eagles in the middle of that 2017 season. They got themselves a running back who could break a big play. I mean, I remember watching the Super Bowl when the Garrett Blunt was breaking that huge run on the second drive, or maybe it was a, a, the first the first drive when they when they kicked the field goal, and he went went around the right side, and and just how fired up everybody got. How much pressure does it take off the quarterback when you can hand the ball off and get a 40-yard play out of it? It saves everybody a lot of danger, the possibility of an interception. Uh, it saves the quarterback from having to dodge a pass rush to get a big play. It's huge. And maybe Jordan Howard's capable of ripping off one of those every now and then. But Miles Sanders is probably going to be that guy. And I'm really interested to see what what he can do here in, in, the, in practice and in preseason games, BLG. Yeah, let's ask Jared Goff and Dak Prescott how much having like a really good running oh. back can help uh, elevate Seriously. your career. Um, yeah, <laughs> like again, like look at what Carson has had to work with, and look at what those guys have had to work with. Yeah. Very different. And Ajayi, by the way, yeah, nine nine carries for fifty seven yards in the Super Bowl, six point three average. Like, and he had a good average the whole time he was with the Eagles. So yeah, yeah, um, he definitely did factor in there. And I think again, I've been kind of a little bit slow playing, you know, the Sanders thing in the sense of like I'm not all in on his ability to contribute right away. Oh, I'm not either. Yeah, we've talked about this. I agree. Yeah, but I mean, like the potential is there. Like, I get, I get yeah. the path. I, I can see like, same thing with Josh Sweat. Like I can see the path for this player. It's not like I don't see it at all. Um, I see it. It's just a matter of, he can get there. And you know, you see that one run like Miles Sanders had today. And again, it's just one run, but just the fact that he has that ability is like the big takeaway and something like yeah. that. You can feel like that's sustainable moving forward. Okay. Like, he can make someone miss. And again, you know, yeah. the, the defense can't tackle him. So, you know, in fairness to them, it's not like they're going to be able to uh, <laughs> to put a hit on him. But still, you know, for him to just get out to that open field and just have some kind of like wiggle and shake to his game. Like I just, it's nice to see. And speaking of that, yeah. John, I don't think we ever, did we ever, we didn't talk about the Darren Sproul signing because it happened last Friday. You're right. After You're right. Recorded. Yeah. 
Um, so while we're on this running back thing, I guess we should talk about that a little bit. Do you want to, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think it's interesting because certainly make puts him in line to be the RB3 or RB4. We talked a lot about who's going to return punts this year. My guess is that Sproles will be back there yeah. for a number of punt returns. He'll be that he'll be that guy, but yeah, I guess I'm curious as to how much run he's going to get, whether he's going to be the number 3, the number 4, how it affects Corey Clement and you know, the team was was talking up Boston Scott quite a bit as a Darren Sproles type guy. Well, I guess they figured, let's just go out and get the real thing. And, you know, this is a Super Bowl contending roster. Why fiddle around with somebody who we think might be Darren Sproles when actual Darren Sproles is out there? Yeah, I think people are kind of sleeping on Darren Sproles. And um, maybe I'm a sucker because, you know, I I see what people don't like about the move. You know, he's only played nine games in the last two years. And now he's 36. Like, there's there's serious concern about his ability to stay healthy. Now, you look at the most of his career, though, like, he's never really had injury issues. Like, he only missed one season earlier in his career because he, like, broke his ankle. You know, and it was, like, in the preseason or something. It was... It was tough. It was just like one of those bad break, literally, uh, injuries that he had. But other than that, like, he's never been this guy who's like always banged up and nicked up for like his entire career. You know, it's really only been in the later stages. And, you know, maybe part of that is getting older and that's a concern. Uh, as he, again, he goes into his age 36 season. But like, I think he can still help this team, man. Like, I don't think his, I don't think the tank is empty. I think you look at last year's Houston game. In week 16, I mean, do they even win that game without him? Like, he was no, a big contributor don't. in that game. He had, what, yeah. over 138 yards or 130-something yards, like, all-purpose between, like, the punt return he had and his rushing production, his receiving yards as well, and a receiving touchdown in that game. Mm-hmm. Like, he can still make people miss. That's what I my takeaway was from him, like, looking late in the year. Because even in the Dallas game, the second Dallas game, he had that final touchdown. Um, yeah. that The final touchdown of Carson Wentz's 2018 regular season where – uh, he catches a short pass, and it wasn't like the most difficult thing in the world. But he had like Van Der Esch and I think Jalen Smith like staring him down, and he made those guys miss, and he got into the end zone. Is Wendell Smallwood doing that? No, like <laughs> no, he's definitely not doing that. He can't make no. anyone miss, as Michael Kiss says. He has like the lateral agility of like a, a dumpster truck or whatever. <laughs> is that even a thing? A dumpster truck? A garbage truck? I don't know. Garbage, a dumpster, I know what mean, yeah. whatever, something. Uh, it's not good. Is the point? Yeah, I, I, I'm fine with bringing Sproles back. The Boston Scott thing, like, he really wasn't looking that great in spring practices. I feel like I've said that on this podcast. I don't know if I have. Like, I don't think he was looking bad, but like, I don't think he was like, oh, my gosh, like, this guy is, like, really good and amazing. I think people kind of want him to be, and it would be nice if, if, if Boston Scott could be that, but he might be nothing. You know, he was on a practice squad for most of the season last year, and he was what? Like, a, he was a sixth-round pick or undrafted rookie free agent. Like, he isn't, like, some high-profile guy. I'm fine with having Sproles back. His punt return ability alone is significant. Uh, I still think he can help out there. Like, I don't know that he's an elite returner anymore, but I don't think he's like nothing. Like, I think he can be a positive asset in that regard. He was certainly better than literally anyone. Like, who else was doing it if it wasn't yeah. going to be Darren Sproles? It was like, you're going to keep DeAndre Tompkins on the roster, who I like, but like undrafted rookie free agent out of Penn State, like really? Or or Boston Scott, who, by the way, John, had never returned a single punt as <laughs> an entire in college in regular season combined. He has one punt return ever in a, in a game setting uh, between college and like NFL level. And that was in a preseason game last year. Now that's not yeah. to say he can definitely never do it, but like he certainly doesn't have experience doing it. And we talked about the whole Deshaun thing. Like you're not going to have him be a big part of the offense and also like return all the punts. That's just not going to happen. Like you can put Deshaun in there certain times and I'm sure they will. And they should, they should mix him in there in the right spots. But like, I think it's going to be Sproles and I think Sproles can contribute in this offense. I do think, 
it is weird for the Corey Clement outlook. Because, like, yeah, yeah. isn't this supposed to be, like, what Corey Clement is? Like, a third down back kind of guy? Yep. Uh, not so much a punt returner, because I think he showed he clearly couldn't do that last year. Like, you don't want him back there. He's not really – that was dicey when he was back there. So, you didn't want him doing that. But just offensively, like, I feel like him and Sproles, in theory, are kind of, like, you know, duplicitous. Uh, yeah. or, like, there's like a redundancy They're there. duplicative, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> that's kind of the interesting angle to that. And now, again, Corey Clement isn't practicing yet fully, so he's still on the mend, and maybe that's part of the, the factor into that. But yeah. I'm fine with having Strolls back. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine with it too, and maybe we've seen the high point of Corey Clement's Eagles career, but maybe there is also a little bit more of an injury concern than we were led to believe, so who knows. But uh, I think it's good to have Darren Sproles back. Uh, he'll, he'll, he will add a lot, I think. Um, one last thing before we wrap up here at BLG, um, one of the main talking points of the spring was Malcolm Jenkins and his contract situation, which remains unresolved, but unlike some other players um, who ha- are either holding out and not showing up at camp, or some others like Jalen Ramsey, who came to camp riding in the back of an armored truck, which was a very subtle way of saying that he wants a new contract, Malcolm Jenkins came to camp still looking for a new deal, but did so quietly, and you have to believe that he is looking at the deal that the Titans just reached with their safety, Kevin Bayard, a five-year, $70.5 million deal with $31 million guaranteed. You got to believe Jenkins Camp is taking a look at that deal and just, uh, you know, wondering, you know, whether or not uh, that's going to factor into uh, any money that, any extra money that, that he might get. He's obviously not going to get anything like that, but BLG, do you think this muddies the waters a little bit, or is there a Malcolm Jenkins number that pretty much everybody knows what it's going to be and they're just working it out? Yeah, I mean, it pushes him down, that Bayard extension. Like, it pushes Malcolm Jenkins down to being the 10th highest paid safety now overall. So he's still top Jeez. 10 at his position, but he is barely top 10. Yeah. Uh, and if somehow there's a bigger contract signed, which I don't really know that there will be. But if there was, you know, he would be out of the top 10 all of a sudden. If not this season, definitely by next year that will happen. You know, he has his case. Because I think at the very least, we can all agree that Malcolm Jenkins is a top 10 safety. And that's that's no kind of at the very, very least. I think the thing with him, and I was thinking about it today, is just that, like, I think the play for Malcolm is that he's just, like, doing his best in, like, good faith and being like, hey, you know, I'm going to do my thing in sense of, like, I don't have to be here for voluntary things, so I'm not. And he kind of, like, that was his way of sending a message, you know, that he wants something done and he's serious about it. But then he didn't want to get it to the point where it was so serious that he would be fine for it. I think the the tactic instead is kind of like, hey, I showed up for everything that I had to. You know, like, I didn't miss anything that was here that was mandatory. Like, I think the the hope on their side is like, you know, we're gonna operate in good faith. Like, I'm gonna keep showing up. Like, hopefully, I guess his hope is that like they can have some kind of dialogue at some point, or even do something like the Eagles did with Brandon Graham. I think back in like 2017. Where, you know, there was talk there for a little bit that Brandon Graham was going to hold out. And that was, like, really short and it didn't last long at all. They Like, it wasn't nothing. Like, that didn't come out of nowhere. Because then later that offseason, they gave Brandon Graham not an extension, but they gave him basically, like, ways to make more money. Like, they added even more incentives to his contract. Like, they did some extra things that they could without giving him, like, a full new deal. So maybe that's the kind of compromise that Malcolm Jenkins gets. Like, maybe they find a way to throw, like, some more incentives in there. Um, I don't know if that's good enough for Malcolm Jenkins, but I think like, maybe it's like it's something that they can at least agree to on that, on, like from the team side and his side. So um, I feel like it's not necessarily like a done issue that he's just definitely not going to get paid. But I mean, he's showing up, so it's 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 done yeah. in the sense of like he's not going to hold out. Like he's here 
Um, he's going to be practicing. I think he's kind of just like hoping slash relying on the Eagles to operate in good faith and kind of like yeah. give him something at right. some point. Yeah, like I don't again, I don't know if it's a new deal or what, but I I think he's basically expecting them to do something for him. Yeah, and we've talked about it. They should do what's right. This is the kind of guy, and you're seeing it by how he's handling this. This is the kind of guy you want to reward with with money. This is the kind of guy you want to give a deal to. And you know, I know they want to leave themselves some cap room as much to take into next year as possible or to make moves this year, but. Uh, I think they have to make Malcolm happy, and they will. They will probably do that. I imagine in the next couple of weeks, we'll we'll hear something. Hopefully, uh, before the games, uh, the preseason games start. Anyway, BLG, that'll just about do it here for episode number sixty-four. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, it's only day one of training camp. I'm already tired. Um, I always say this every <laughs> year. I have no idea how the uh, the players do it. I have no idea how you good people out there who like work. And like, you know, outside or construction in the sun. Like, I just, I don't, I don't know how you do it. Like, I stand no, in the it's sun. You, uh, people who do that are heroes. Man. Yeah, I mean, you guys it. are awesome. Because like, I stand in the sun at training camp. And all I'm doing is standing there and watching practice. Like, it's not that hard. It is a very, it is a very like, you know, I'm very fortunate I can do that. And it's a very easy thing to do and just stand there and watch. But like, I come home and I'm just like, oh man, the sun takes so much out of me. So again, I have no idea how the players do it. Uh, I know, I have no idea how you people who work out there who do it. I have family who do some, uh, like, uh, tarring, you know, blacktop and all that. And like, I have no idea. I just, I don't no, know. Either. So, uh, shout out to all you well, people. You're, you're so tall. You're closer to the sun than anyone else. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's true. That, you, you I do have a tougher than everyone. There. That's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> thank you as always for following along here on bleeding green nation and BGN radio. Make sure you continue to subscribe because we're gonna have a lot of episodes here. I'm going to be talking with Michael Kist really after practice on Friday for training camp we're going to you know have these daily recaps for you so you can kind of get what's going on in addition to the kist and select show and the the weekly bgn radio episodes that we'll have so a lot of good content not only on the podcast feed here bgn radio and bleedinggreennation.com as well so make sure you stay tuned to those things make sure you subscribe to the podcast once again leave a rating leave a review all that good stuff and keep following along because there's going to be a lot of news and a lot of stuff and you're not going to want to miss it Absolutely. Uh, the Eagles 2019 season, I think we can say, is now officially here. The dead zone is over, and we've got training camp. So, again, like BLG said, check out BleedingGreenNation.com multiple times a day. Check out uh, the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll keep up to date with everything that is going on down at the NovaCare Complex this summer. That'll do it for episode number 64. Again, you can follow BLG on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. BGN.